0: And now here's nine in a row from ELO.
1: This is Face the Music, an electric light orchestra song-by-song podcast. Power Bonus Tracks. I'm Eric Paul Johnson.
2: And I'm Eric Winsenson.
1: And we'll start with comments about Secret Lives, because, as I said in the Secret Messages Bonus Tracks episode, we now reply to comments about each individual song through Zoomcasts, and the videos are posted on the Face the Music and Electric Light Orchestra Song by Song Podcast Facebook page, and we also now have a YouTube channel. The Electric Light Orchestra podcast has every episode of the podcast plus our Zoomcast replies. So everything's all right there on YouTube. So if you want to see, well, hey, how come they didn't read my reply to So Serious? Well, we probably did. Go check out on YouTube for that uh, Zoomcast episode. So, so let's move on.
0: And on that joyous note... Let us get
2: on
1: with the show. Back to Secret Lives. Trevor Raggett. You're listening to Back on the Highline, a Steve Winwood song-by-song podcast. What can you say about this tune that the Erics haven't already said? Meh. Pfft. Hmm. A nice enough tune that added bleepity-bloopity bits at the beginning. And why did Richard decide to pull out the Steve Winwood multi-move lead sound again? A full five years after it had ceased to be a happening pop rock synth sound. You guys are right, though. The alternative band-flavored version is better, but still not great. Why would Jeff put a pretty lazy song like that on an album? Well, I guess he had answered that question himself. By that point in time, he was just sick and tired of being an ELO. I can't wait for my own death. For Is It Alright, Tracy Reed wrote... I really appreciate Madeline's contributions to this podcast. She'll be glad to hear that. I liked it. So for Sorrow About to Fall, there were some who said that it sort of sounded like Showdown. Me and Wincensen didn't hear it, but here's somebody who points out where it does sound like Showdown, and maybe we'll hear it afterwards.
2: She Brewer says, I believe the Showdown effect is the little funky guitar bit that appears here and there in the song, especially during the sax solo. I love Sorrow About to Fall, and Jeff's voice is great.
1: Oh, I hear it now.
2: You've taken your first step into a larger world.
1: And for Calling America, Mike Hudson said, okay, I'm writing my comments without reading anyone else's first, so I may duplicate some things. First off, Calling America is actually a pretty good song. May even be the best track on Balance of Power. Usually ELO's lead single from a given album is nowhere near the best track. But in this case, I think maybe it is. It's a damn sight better than the last album's lead single, Rock and Roll is King, for sure. That's the sort
2: of blinkered, philistine, pig ignorance I've come to expect from you, non-creative garbage.
1: I love how the song starts off cold, with a stacked harmony of the word... ...then breaks down to a single voice for the rest of the first line of the song. That's brilliant! I know I used the word nautical in my previous comments on Without Someone, but there's that little keyboard whistling bit that appears in each verse right before the line. Um, yeah, in, in the world. That little wizard very much reminds me of a sailor's hornpipe whistle for some reason. It also reminds me of the high-pitched keyboard in the chorus on Don't Bring Me Down. I love it! Next, there's a keyboard bit in the pre-chorus of the first verse that the best way I can describe it is to use a Doctor Who phrase, wibbly wobbly. I think it's in the second pre-chorus as well, but it's buried behind all the swirly delay effects on the vocals, which, by the way, is another thing I love about this song. Those dreamy vocal effects. Jeff makes up for the lack of strings in this song with all the little keyboards and effects. I love the effect on the line, I don't think that's being processed through a vocoder, but it might be. I'm more inclined to think it's just some EQ with some other effects thrown in for good measure. But I love how he emphasizes that one line with the effect, it's perfect! Remember how I made the comment in Without Someone how Jeff really did a lot with a very economical guitar solo? In that song, there's only seven actual notes being played. While in Calling America, he doubles the amount of notes. There are 14 notes to the guitar solo. He's playing it on a Stratocaster and using the Whammy Bar, or tremolo arm, which is the technical name for it, although that's actually incorrect, because tremolo is a pulsation of volume, not a pulsation of pitch, which is what the Whammy Bar on a guitar actually does. Jeff also does a neat trick here, and does the guitar notes on a keyboard using a kind of string synth type sound gives the song a very surf-guitar-type sound. Two more wizards right before the last chorus, the kind of 50s-sounding guitar riff, and then the two big keyboard sweeps that kind of sound like a car or motorcycle revving up. And of course, I can't forget to mention that Jeff was really channeling his inner Brian Wilson on this song. The backing vocals have Beach Boys written all over them, And they sound awesome! I think that's about all I have to say on this song. Or at least that I can remember that I wanted to say. One last thing, however. EPJ is mostly right. Oh, thank you very much. Alice Cooper does suck. Except for one song that probably even most Alice Cooper fans aren't all that familiar with. And that's the song from his album Flush the Fashion. And the song is called Clones. This song is totally unlike any other song Cooper ever released especially the hit songs he had. If you're expecting I'm 18 or School's Out, don't listen to this song. If you like Gary Newman, Devo, etc., you'll probably love this song.
0: All clones, all alone, all alone
1: Actually, yeah, I, Clones is my favorite Alice Cooper song of the very fistful that I like. So, Anyway, back to his comments. Okay, let's get back to ELO. Oh, I did think of one more thing about Calling America that I wanted to mention. I had no idea ELO was putting out a new album when this song came out. I was driving somewhere, and the DJ announced a new ELO song in the next set after the commercial break. My eyes got big, and I could feel a chill coming on, and I hadn't heard the first note yet. Then when I heard that opening, I knew, in that fraction of a second, that it was ELO. OH
0: MAN! That does it for me!
1: Okay, so the Endless Lies episode came out Thanksgiving week, and at Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted of Deli Meets Amalgamated, unlike other places, everybody gets Thanksgiving week off. So that's why we didn't do a zoom cast for Endless Lies. But for here, for now, here are all the comments for Endless Lies.
2: Mike Hudson says First off, when this came out on Balance of Power, I had no idea that it was originally intended for Secret Messages, or that Secret Messages was intended to be a double album. So I just looked at the song as another song from Balance of Power, but I always thought this song sounded a little out of place as you guys mentioned. I also got the connection to the Beatles song being for the benefit of Mr. Kite pretty much immediately when I heard the calliope sounds in the song. Now that I've heard the Secret Messages version, I find that I prefer the Balance of Power version the most. I don't know if that's just because it was the first version I heard of it or not. Maybe it's some kind of psychological thing. But to me, the Balance of Power version just has an all-around better sound. It's quite obvious that the song was not entirely re-recorded, but rather Jeff just did some editing and remixing. Perhaps portions of the song might have been re-recorded during the Balance of Power sessions, but the main track from the Secret Messages sessions is still the majority of what we hear on Balance. Because of the fact that Jeff chose to use this song on Balance, it makes me wonder, why did he not also use some of the other leftover songs from Secret Messages? Seems like it would have made the recording of Balance go a lot quicker and get him out of the contract he so desperately wanted to end. In the Balance of Power version, I prefer the transitions from the slower to faster parts. I also prefer the ending of the song. The Secret Messages version with that little coda at the end just doesn't sound right at all. Ending with that great Orbison high note through a massive reverb on the Balance version is perfect. I have always wondered if this song had anything to do with Sandy and his divorce from her. As private as Jeff's life has been, we rarely get any details about his personal life. But sometimes he lets things slip into his songs, even though he always dismisses it and says he doesn't do this. Um, I think the thing is, is that the Endless Lies version on Balance of Power is the finished version. So that's probably why a lot of people like it better. Also, I think the reason that they didn't include more songs from the Secret Messages sessions is Because they probably had some record executives sitting there yelling at them to try and do something more modern, and so they went ahead and did something more modern.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I didn't know Secret Messages was a double album until Afterglow came out in 1990. But yeah, I always kind of wondered, well, if Jeff wanted out of this and just to kill ELO, just get it done and over with, I didn't quite understand why he just didn't release all the stuff that was cut from Secret Messages on another album like 84 or 85 or whatever and be done with it and walk away. I don't know if there was something in the contract that he had to put out an album of new songs. Clear the stuff that was cut from Secret Messages wasn't new songs. But there's also the thing that music really changed a lot between 1983 and 1985. Uh, at least the pop music stuff did. I mean, you can hear that just between Secret Messages and Balance of Power. Things got more synthy and kind of hollow sounding just between those couple years so I mean you got the thing where you want to get out of a contract and sure this would be easy but you also got record execs saying you have to sell albums we're paying for this to be made and pressed and all this other stuff so make something that sells don't just put out this stuff from 1983 that doesn't really sound like what's hip and happening now That could be why. As always, your logic is impeccable. MJ Folds. Another enjoyable episode, chaps. Oh, thank you. I love Madeline's annoyance with you not getting which version she preferred. Uh, It was pretty funny, actually. I am torn. I think I prefer the Secret Messages version, as I like the swooshing noise before he goes, Sometimes I think I'm on a merry-go-round. Plus that faster, twangy part at the end. But it could just be that I have lived with it less than the original Balance of Power version. The song itself is not one I rush to listen to, never having that, sweet Jesus, I gotta listen to Endless Lies moment. But it is also enjoyable to hear, especially hearing Jeff do an amazing attempt at a Roy Orbison voice. That is damn good, and it is a shame we never got many more. Yeah, he should do more of that kind of stuff. Yeah,
2: I agree that he should try to do a little bit more. Uh, we get after him for... For the drumming and everything, sometimes, but yeah, it would be nice to actually hear a little bit more variation in his voice as well these days too. But of course, I don't know if he can do it anymore.
1: It's you know, I'm wondering too. I'm always thinking about Paul McCartney lately. How you know, uh, his voice is not up to what it used to be, and Jeff's only what uh, 42, so 40, Jeff's five years younger. So
2: yeah. But then Jeff still sounds better than he did on the first few albums still. so you know, <laughs> No matter what. So.
1: And there's also, Jeff hasn't been constantly touring albums, touring albums since 1989. Uh, you know, this is the first time Jeff's gone out on tours like 30 years or something like that. 35 years. So his voice hasn't been through the ringer every night for years and years and years decades
2: honestly with McCartney I'm surprised after all this time that he doesn't sound like Bob Dylan
1: (laughs) so yeah there's that too
2: (laughs) yeah I'm surprised that we still get as good of a voice out of him as we do no we do I
1: I still love Paul and I I gladly sell my firstborn which isn't Madeline so I can say that did you get backstage passes and meet him and see one of his shows but the voice is slipping I was gonna say a bit but it's slipping more than a bit but I still love them.
2: Eleanor Rigby picked up the rice in the church for her wedding and been in the dream. G. Brewer says, Carousel going up and down, around and round, tweddle, tweedle, deedle, deedle. Of course it fits the song because it is juxtaposed to the soothing orbison smoothness. I love Endless Lies, both versions. I could have more cowbell and definitely more carousel.
1: Well, I'm good with more carousel. Never been a fan of the cowbell.
2: Do you mean that, Eric? Fellas, you're gonna want that cowbell!
1: Trevor Raggett, being for the benefit of the Big L, Jeff is so paying tribute to both the Big O and the Big B here, although there is clearly more Roy in the overall mix. Those intro strings are so very Orbison in style, especially on the Secret Messages version. And actually, so is the first verse, like when Roy sings in more subdued mode. I also like the reference in the lyrics, Goodbye, Pretty Woman. You know, I I never thought of that until you brought that up. I really like the Sometimes I Think pre-chorus section, including the Sgt. Pepper referencing Calliope. I'm amazed it took you a whole ten minutes of the podcast before you even mentioned the B word. It's so Beatle-ish. Well, it took me more than ten minutes. more like thirty-four years. Personally, I'm not sure which version I prefer. Maybe the Secret Messages version, as it's not quite so in-your-face. And I think I prefer the longer, more formed ending with the twangy Dwayne Eddy guitar riff, as opposed to the Balance of Power's more abrupt cutoff. Hmm. The cutoff is more Orbison-y, the way he used to end those songs, uh, with his big voice as all the music stopped with it.
2: Yeah, Orbison's way of arranging a song was rather strange (laughs) a lot of times. (laughs) I think he listened to Ravel's Bolero quite a bit and decided, huh, rock songs should sound like this. To where you got you start soft and you build and build and build and the very end, big, huge finale. And Plus, his voice worked with it. And Len's voice works on this with that, too. Yes, it does. Karen Godwin Harrison says, Endless Lies is one of my favorite songs. Jeff's voice is so powerful and strong. Try singing along. A great workout for your lungs. <laughs> I'm not even going to know tempted i can hear roy orbison connection and love the sound of a merry-go-round the special thing about jeff's songs is how he puts in sounds like cowbells merry-go-rounds dog barking ringing telephones thunder and lightning
1: yeah i like the uh little sound effects and things like that because well if you listen to the podcast you can tell i like playing with that kind of stuff and i have sung along with it even to the very end when I'm alone, in my car driving, not putting anybody else through that sound. You sing
2: like a piece of
1: chalk on a blank board. My name's Alan Stair.
2: Who cares? And I'm his wife, Donna Stair. You're not a cop, are you? Join us for the WKRP cast. It's a week-by-week, episode-by-episode podcast, giving you a chance to re-watch, review, and re-love WKRP.
0: Tons of trivia, stories, background information, and when possible, interview.
2: Don't miss the WKRP cast.
0: Subscribe now, available every Tuesday. I'm at WKRP in Cincinnati.
2: Back to ELO.
1: <laughs> had you ever heard Balance of Power before?
2: I had never heard Balance of Power before, no.
1: Is it the greatest ELO album that you had never heard before? <sighs>
2: <laughs> um. <sighs> no. ha <laughs> 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 also not the worst i mean there's good stuff on the first one but i still think the first one is probably still my least favorite that are on the third day are the ones that are my least favorite i think this is about on the same level as on the third day but definitely better than their first album a bit because at least this is consistent music wise yeah I know there's no surprises or anything like that that's one edge that the self-titled album had is that at least there was some more creativity in that but as a pop album if you just strip away you don't think you're not expecting any ELO type songs really <laughs> If you're expecting Jeff Lynne production but not ELO I should say then you know what to expect with this album and I was not expecting anything close to even secret messages and I know Secret Messages is one of the ones I gave a little bit lower rating to. I do think Secret Messages is the better album than Balance of Power. Mm-hmm. Um, and Balance of Power is about like I predicted it would be in a lot of cases. However, there were more good songs on here than I expected. I had never heard Getting to the Point or So Serious before this. My thing with Balance of the Power was basically limited to Calling America. Right. So... When I got to listen to the rest of it, uh, oh, yeah, there are other good songs on here. But they are, like Calling America, they are very well-crafted pop songs. Mm -hmm. And then, just as I predicted, there were songs that were just bland, forgettable, and were there to fill out the album because they had to be to get an album length. As for the point of this album, we all know it's a contractual obligation album. But that's where I have to say it is better than it needs to be it is actually better than it needs to be in this particular case because I've heard a lot of contractual obligation albums and a lot of times it's just oh really you want me to make another album okay here's two notes for 45 minutes (laughs) release it or don't (laughs) goodbye (laughs) and then of course somebody down the line goes this is the most beautiful thing ever (laughs) the minimalist tendencies of (laughs) And then, of course, it gets re-released on Record Store Day for uh, $40 <laughs> for a double album version. Yeah. With demos and, and interviews. So,
1: <laughs> The demo where he used a third note but thought, eh, that's going too far.
2: That's <laughs> going too far. I'm going to say that third note for my new record label. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it really surprises me that he put as much effort into it that he did when he didn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is actually a lot better than I expected. It's still, though, a lot of what I expected from this particular album. So when it comes down to star rating, it might change slightly if I listen to it again or listen to it where I'm not just listening to it song by song. But right now I'd say it it would be three stars.
1: This was my first ELO album as a dedicated fan. Got Secret Messages in 83 and then after I got that, I decided, yeah, I'll go with ELO, so I just stocked up on ELO, I just gobbled it all up over the two and a half years between this and Balance of Power, got the entire discography, and even started buying the singles, even though I had the albums, well I gotta have the singles too. So I knew the albums and the b-sides, and I was hoping that I didn't miss the party. I wanted that fan experience of, my band has just put out a new album, this will be great. And years went by and I hoped my silly little conspiracy theory that Secret Messages was the last ELO album wasn't actually true so when I found out that oh there's new ELO oh there's Calling America oh I like that I can't wait I gotta get that I can't wait for this album and my friend who goes to the record store like every hour bought two promo copies one for her one for me and she dropped it off and oh, it's great I can't oh my god I can't wait to listen to this and I put it on and I listened to it and heaven only knows just just starts right up just boom here we go and and I was thinking what well, would no weird beginning no no prologue no overture no no something like the beginning of tightrope or or anything like that we're just we're just gonna get right to the song okay um I'll, I'll let it slide and then it ended and then there was that black hole between songs that Bob and Doug talk about next song started up. Uh, so but no no interludes no anything between okay I, I guess so by the end of side one I was disappointed I was like mm, maybe he does something fun and, and interesting and creative on side two nope no nope. Oh, no it's just here's your 10 songs that's the album and I, I was I was really disappointed. In balance of power because I love that ElO albums are not just a collection of songs there's overtures there's epilogues there's prologues there's stuff in between songs there were no interludes no songs that butt up against each other that just like end and start it, blend right into the next one or or like so fine into living thing where it just it was just here's 10 songs. I didn't find out that this album was a contractually obligated album until I read the liner notes for Afterglow in 1990, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I can I can see that now. This definitely feels like a contractually obligated album. It really has that feel of, okay, here's your ten songs. Can I go now? Can I go revive George Harrison's and Roy Orbison's career? Can I go co-create the greatest supergroup ever with Bob Dylan and keep Tom Petty's career going? Oh, and can I go produce a reunited Beatles? Am I done with this now? Is this good enough for you? Because I'm out.
0: Say it loudly and proudly. you.
1: And I think the other thing that's working against this album is you've got the ELO catalog before this, which is amazing there's just so much mind-blowing stuff and production and songs that are so freaking great i'm gonna say the mid-80s was not a good time for established acts i used to not really have a problem with i just called to say i love you i didn't think it was the greatest song ever but i was like oh that's nice i kind of like it there's nothing wrong i don't know why people bang on it it's so nice
2: it's not exactly the greatest introduction to stevie wonder though
1: (laughs) no it is not And then in 2003, I borrowed a a Stevie Wonder compilation CD. And I heard all of them. It's not like these were all brand new to me. I grew up in the 70s. You couldn't escape Stevie Wonder on the radio, even if you were dead. You still heard it. And after going through Superstition and I Wish and Sir Duke and That Girl and Do I Do and, and all this other stuff, and then you slam into... I just called to say I love you. And that's when you realize... What a puss song that is! That
0: was the biggest puss song I've ever heard. And
1: I think you run into this with Balance of Power, El Dorado, a New World Record, Face the Music, Out of the Blue, and Time and Discovery. This is a, so freaking great! It's, it's, you understand why ELO is so big, and then you you plow into the kind of hollow, kind of dead inside sound of of Balance of of Power. <laughs> I just don't think it has the big sound that the other stuff had. So it, it's, it's kind of the thing that never really did it for me. And the thing I never understood why until we started talking about So Serious and you brought this up, I hear the individual songs and, and for the most part, oh, I like that, that's catchy. But slap together on an album together and I'm kind of like, eh, <laughs> I didn't understand why. Until you said, I think it was a Yes album that you used as an example. Or each, John in- Anderson, actually. or John Anderson, yeah. Or each individual song, hey, that's pretty good. But together on an album, they don't. The album doesn't seem to work so well. So I think maybe that's it. It's kind of like, I like that song. I like that song. But together on an album, ten of them, I guess ten of them in a row. I mean, it, it sounds hollow. Eighties is what it does.
2: And hollow eighties is good when you throw it on on a forty-five. Yeah. You go. Oh, I remember that song. That brings back some memories. Mm-hmm. But then when you got a whole series of same thing huh now i remember why i didn't buy that album
1: yeah so i think richard tandy on the inside sleeve very accurately sums up this album it's just the three of them there jeff bev and tandy they are dressed very mid 80s but jeff and bev look good um they're wearing nice suits they got their hair cut like jeff and bev would it's not anything wild or crazy or anything like that there's nothing spikes or anything. Jeff's got his curly hair. There's nothing you can do about it. Bev's got a nice thick head of his wavy hair. And then you look at Richard Tandy. When I was 16 and got the album and looked at it, I thought, wow, he looks like someone's 40-something-year-old dad who's copying or mimicking the styles of his teenage son so that he can look hip and with it now. Hey, I bet your friends really like me. I bet your friends really think I'm cool now. Look at me, I got the fluorescent. the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get the fluorescent, look at my weird haircut at an angle. And dad, make dad, cool. dad, 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 just drop me off here. No, no, come on. Me... <laughs> hey, hey, come on over here. You like my clothes? Oh. they are pretty good, huh? <laughs> and I think that sums this album up. These are guys in their 40s, And they're doing everything they can to sound like they're still hip and cool in the 80s. I think one of the great things about ELO before this album is they didn't just follow the trend. Yeah, they would do disco and they did the new wavy kind of stuff, but they didn't just do it like everybody else. There's no pew pew in their disco songs and the new wavy stuff on time. There's more to it than just beep boop, beep boop 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 on a synthesizer. Uh, It feels like there's some humanity mixed in with the beep boopy new wavy. I wouldn't say they led the way in anything. I'd say they saw what they liked, took it, and did their own thing with it. With Balance of Power, it just sounds like that stuff is popular. Let's just do that and get this out of the way. And uh, I think that's another reason why this album doesn't do it for me. This has never been a go-to ELO album for me. Um... I don't know I'm leaning towards two and a half pushing three stars for it it just it definitely sounds like I really don't want to do this but I have to so here you go that's my rant on balance of power your musical expert
0: is on the air
1: join the Facebook group Jeff Lynn's Blue World not only can you post anything even slightly tangentially related to ELO without some tin-plated nerd with delusions of godhood deleting or blocking you, not only can you debate ELO without someone questioning your authenticity as an ELO fan if you dare not like a song by Jeff Lynne, but best of all, you can win sh- ELO calendar, ties, tumblers, pens, and many other quality, unauthorized, unlicensed ELO merchandise. Is
0: this a great country or what? But
1: you can only win that stuff at Jeff Lynne's Blue World on Facebook.
2: Balance of Power was the 11th and final studio album of Electric Light Orchestra, at least the original version of Electric Light Orchestra, and even original version is kind of a question because we're down to Jeff Lynn, Richard Tandy, and Bev Bevan by this point. The album was released in the United States on February 17 of 1986, which would have been my 14th birthday. In the UK, it was released on March 3rd, 1986. It had originally been intended for a 1985 release, but re-recording a number of synthesizer tracks and some remixing by Mac pushed it forward into the next year. The album did spawn three singles, Calling America, So Serious, and Getting to the Point. Balance of Power did get up to number 49 on the Billboard 200 in the US. On the UK album chart, it made it all the way up to number 9. Its highest position was in Sweden, getting all the way up to number 3, and also getting up to number 4 in Norway. It got all the way up to the number 10 spot in Switzerland, and number 18 in Germany, number 29 in Austria, and 46 in Canada. And on the Australian album charts, it got all the way up to number 49. It was classified silver with a sale of sixty thousand copies in the United Kingdom.
0: Hey, Eric, just wanted to leave a message. Now that you're uh, finished with Balance of Power, I love your reviews. I actually am a big fan of the album. First heard it when it came out. I was already into ELO at that time, and when they had first, they brought it out, I was like, "Whoa, look at this!" Especially when I saw "Calling America." I think my most cherished memory of the album is that uh, this was about the time of my life where I was starting to notice women and actually dating them. And I actually put this album on a couple of times when I started making out with that. <laughs> so, when I hear Heaven Only Knows is so serious, that's where my mind immediately goes to. But anyway, they liked it and they stuck around me for a while. So I, I guess the album worked on many levels. So... Great job, guys. Keep it up.
1: I do believe my panties just fell off. Well,
0: hello. This is Dr. Troy with my final thoughts on Balance of Power. I have to admit, I have a sentimental, emotional attachment to this album. I was 20 going on 21 when the album was released. I was a sophomore in college, planning to transfer to another college out of state in the fall of that year. So as far as I was concerned, about to turn 21, I had my whole life ahead of me. I was finally going to get out of the podunk town of Sweetser, Indiana. So I decided to visit this college over Easter weekend, and at O'Hare Airport, I met a woman from Kokomo, Indiana who was also planning to go to this school in the fall and she was visiting the college that weekend also. Well, we began a relationship. It was the first serious adult relationship I had in my life. And things were going so well and this album reminds me of those days. Although I I probably should have listened to songs like Getting to the Point a Little Better but that's getting ahead of the story. At any rate, for about four months, I was on top of the world. And then I decided, because I got very homesick, that I was going to go back to the college from which I transferred. She wanted to stay at the other college, and she didn't want to have a long-distance relationship. So the relationship ended, and I was back in Podunk, Sweetser, Indiana, But overall, it was a good experience, and Balance of Power reminds me of that. However, I have to admit that over the years, my opinion of Balance of Power has changed, as has my opinion of Secret Messages, through listening to both albums again for this podcast. I actually like Secret Messages better than I did, and I'm not so fond of Balance of Power. As I was, I still like it, but not like I did, although... I do agree with the Eric's. I wish that they would have included the alternate versions of Secret Lives and Heaven Only Knows on the album. It wouldn't have been a better album, but at least those songs would be better. That's it for this week. I'll talk to you later. This has been A Thought From Troy. Great moments in Electric Light Orchestra
2: history.
1: But it just got a bit too big for me, and um, I stopped enjoying it, really, mm. towards the end of that. Uh, was the time in, uh, in ELO, was that constraining for you as a well, artist? It got to be, it got to be, because, um, you know, I've done so many albums over so many years with that format, you know, and, uh, and sort of a style, that it was sort of uh, a trap in a way, in the end, and I was really glad to finish the last album and say, that's it. People are really great, because they gave us cash through our Patreon site, patreon.com slash Pod. Mitch Barloga, Robert Berry, Andrew Clarkson, James Crow, Dono, The ESO Network, Alex Hernandez, Diane Hughes, Mark Jealous, Roland Leisure, Stacey Reed, Jill Chenault, Silver Wings, Frederick Scott, and David M. Stowe. And thank you to Stephen St. John for the Send It music bid. An Electric Light Orchestra Song by Song Podcast is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted Deli Meets Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623 850 3375 or email us at ELOFTM Podcast at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining our Facebook group and spread the word by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. You can financially support the podcast at Patreon dot com slash ELO pod
2: Next week episode 135 Hello My Old Friend
1: I'm making, making noise! So.